You are Locked On Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Heat Nation. I'm David Ramil, the host of Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Please make sure to follow the show if you haven't already, wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episodes. Summer League's almost done, and of course, free agency has pretty much wound down. Some minor trades taking place here and there throughout the NBA. Miami likely not involved in any upcoming deals. But what's to talk about, right? It's the offseason almost officially now. From this point forward, it's the long, prolonged wait for preseason media day and then the start of training camp and then your first few preseason games and then, of course, the start of the regular season. So I'll still be answering questions because you've got them. I'm sure that if you're looking at this roster, you're still wondering what's going to happen next or what could this team potentially be. Maybe you've got some kind of minutia out there that you're still wondering, you know, what's uh, what's the potential for this team? What's the ceiling here and things of that sort. So I'm going to try my best to answer questions throughout the week. I posted an episode earlier this week. Wasn't able to post one for Tuesdays. Apologies on that. So this is technically episode two. Again, 15 questions I'll be answering, five questions shows three questions each show and today i'll be talking a little bit about a couple of other things around the the league including pat riley uh why he's got this reputation around the league uh something i'll get into a little bit later i'll talk about who fills out the uh, the end of this roster and also who is the the leader of this team because i think that's something to ponder maybe it's not the same kind of question that i address regarding the big three and maybe it's not kind of like having lebron and Dwayne wade back in 2010 but I think now with the addition of Kyle Lowry, maybe there's some concerns about that. But I'm also going to talk a little bit about some of the deals that we've seen taking place over the last couple of days. The Los Angeles Clippers trading away Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo, and I can't recall the other player that was added there as a trade filler. And I hate using that terminology, but that's basically what it is to the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies then wound up trading Pat Beverly to the Minnesota Timberwolves in exchange for Juancho Hernan Gomez and... Uh, I believe it was Jared Culver. I'm sorry. Yes, the the high lottery draft pick. Just another reminder that the draft is fool's gold. You never know what kind of player you're going to get. It's ridiculous. Uh, Give me a proven veteran, even towards the tail end of their career, a hundred times over an unproven rookie. I I just... We've seen great rookies, right? I know this is a tangent here, and I I love going on it because, as I was reminded by my former co-host here on Locked on Heat, Wes Goldberg, not too long ago, the rally against the draft has been something that I've done, well, pretty much, you you know, consistently ever since I started podcasting six, seven years ago. So I I just, I'm going to keep doing it. The draft is stupid. Maybe it's too many years of following Pat Riley and watching him trade away first round picks, but there is uh, no point and adding a 19 or 20 year old player who has no idea how to adapt to the NBA game just yet. That's not to say that they can't, but again, once they can, they're already proven veterans and then it's a whole different issue. I mean, look, there's going to be plenty of discourse regarding who, you know, who Jalen Green turns out to be for the Houston Rockets and who Kate Huntingham turns out to be for the Detroit Pistons. Neither of them are going to have much success. That's the bottom line. It's not a good roster in Houston. It's not a it's a terrible roster in Detroit. And Cunningham has all this weight of expectations placed on him for what? Like one season of, of, of collegiate ball? What are we getting out of that? I mean, what's how is that going to help him adapt to facing against Giannis Antetokounmpo? 
You know, they're in the same division now. What's he going to do when he has to handle a guy like Yannick Antetokounmpo barreling down the lane at some point? How's he going to try to guard Jimmy Butler without drawing a foul? I don't see it. Anyway, that's uh, that's my tangent. Um, but I, as far as the Patrick Beverly trade, I don't think he's going to get bought out. From what I've heard from Minnesota folks, it looks like they want to add yet another veteran. The, that was the goal when they added Ricky Rubio a few years ago. And then uh, they traded him away t- uh, to Cleveland, if I'm not mistaken, this offseason. And so they reacquired another veteran point guard to help them out with D'Angelo Russell and everything else. So now they've got Pat Beverly there to provide some toughness. Uh, Rosas, the general manager for Minnesota, was an assistant GM, I believe, in Houston to Daryl Morey, and so he's familiar with what Patrick Beverly can bring to the table. So that's uh, that's going to be an interesting matchup there. I'll, I'll see how it plays out, but I think uh, with with you know Patrick Beverly off the table, a lot of people have asked, is you know Rajon Rondo an option for Miami? And I have to say, I, I I don't see it very likely. For one, I think we're all kind of forgetting. That 2016-17 season when Rajon Rondo and Jimmy Butler were already teammates as part of the three alpha lineup with Dwayne Wade. <laughs> Everybody's forgotten, right? That I don't know if, if it's just because of Heat fandom or whatever, but uh, the idea of Dwayne in a Chicago Bulls jersey probably nauseates more than a few of you. Jimmy Butler still in the kind of middle of his career trying to determine exactly what kind of player he was going to be and Rajon Rondo already towards the tail end on his way out after you know being traded away from what was it Boston to Dallas and I don't even remember how he managed to get to Chicago either way that team didn't achieve much success and if they did it wasn't because of Dwayne he struggled there but Rondo had some issues with the way Jimmy and Dwayne we're handling things with the media, and I just I don't see those two getting along particularly well. I think there's just too much bad blood. Moreover, and I'll, this is something I'll talk about in the last segment, I just don't know that Miami's going to be able to add anybody right now. But I did want to talk about the, the idea again, as I mentioned earlier, whose team is this? Because I think it's an interesting one, right? You've got Jimmy Butler on this roster, and you would think he is the de facto go-to scorer, but even throughout his two seasons in Miami, he's already deferred that. To some degree. We've seen other guys take big shots, mostly Tyler, I think. Does that mean that Jimmy's not going to take those or is reluctant to do those? I think he would take them if he's asked to do so. I think he's also smart enough to understand what the winning play is. And it's just different, you know, the the Skip Baylesses and other jackasses of the world that point out LeBron's shortcomings because he doesn't quote-unquote have the clutch gene or take those clutch shots or whatever. They don't make that same connection, I guess, with Jimmy Butler, but I guess Jimmy is a lesser star. Uh, and so it doesn't really matter as much. But to me, uh, you know, Jimmy, much like LeBron, understands the nuances of the game and understands when to make the right play, who to pass it off to. I don't think it matters who hits that shot. And if somebody else has a better open look, I think they should take it. I think, I mean, I think that's just a reality. Uh, one of the things that we kind of always forget when we talk about Michael Jordan taking the best shot, and it wasn't always Michael Jordan because Steve Kerr did it, John Paxson did it, and others have done it throughout the regular season, but we just always think of Michael you know, taking these shots under clutch situations. And yes, he was going to do it. You know, why did, he, why did he get that big shot in, in, what was it, game six against the Utah Jazz? Because he pushed off of Byron Russell. That's the other thing that we don't, you know, kind of forget. We, we always forget that, one, he did pass the ball when it was necessary. And, yes, he took big shots. But also, he could get that shot off. You know, if we're comparing Michael, the myth of Michael Jordan, because the actual player himself, as great as he was, will never live up to the myth that he created and was created for him by other marketing agencies and companies and the NBA and the NBC and everything else. As far as Michael and his ability to get those shots off, he was unparalleled. I mean, he had 
incredible athleticism. He had springing hops. He had just he could get that shot off of everybody. Once he even started to age, he had a, a you know unbeatable turnaround jumper that nobody could take away from him. Nobody could block. Nobody could impact with much regularity. And so that's the kind of thing that gets overlooked. Is oh he always took the clutch shot. It's like yeah, motherfucker could. I mean, what do you want him to do? Who else is going to take that shot? I mean, Scotty could have taken that shot, and he did. And when he didn't, when they went to Tony Coke and Tony Kukoc, obviously, uh, I, I think a lot of you remember how pissed off Scotty was about that. And look, that that kind of tainted the rest of his career to some degree. That's a whole other conversation. But as far as whose whose game or whose team this is this year, you know, I have to say that Jimmy is still. After just two years, I think he's built enough equity with this organization that he is still the you know the unparalleled leader here. Kyle might be older. Kyle may have accomplished more in having won a ring. Uh, you know, other than that, though, I think Kyle is joining Jimmy's team as a complimentary player, and, and that's not to say that Kyle isn't going to get opportunities. I think he has the ball in his hands. I think he's going to create those looks for others. I think he's smart enough as a player at this point in his career where he knows where to take those big shots or, or you know, whether or not to make the right pass. I think we'll see a more dynamic offense in clutch situations, which is something Miami was kind of lacking because I don't think, you know, when you look at your 30-something-year-old non-shooter superstar as your best player, which is the reality of what Jimmy is for the most part, maybe a little simplistic, but I think that's the truth is who he is. It's easier to limit what he can do. And the fact that, yes, he can make that pass to Tyler or Duncan or somebody else. But, you know, Jimmy is the guy who's creating those shots towards the tail end of games. And I think now you have another guy in, in Kyle who can do that. And I think that certainly will help Miami's. Look, as far as the leadership role is concerned, it's Jimmy. Jimmy's going to set the tone here. Look, he's familiar with what the heat practices are, even after just two seasons. But you've also got different leaders there. You've got Udonis. And I, look, listen to, I don't like recommending it, but listen to Duncan Robinson's most recent episode with Udonis Haslam on there, kind of echoing a lot of the same things that he told me in my one-on-one -on -one conversation with him earlier this year, you know, about his role and everything else. And he's just so valued there. And the fact that he's coming back, and I have not really talked about Udonis's return, but the fact that he is coming back, I think just speaks to his influence in the organization and the fact that he can continue to have an influence there. And I think he's going to work well with with guys like Kyle and Jimmy and everything else, you know, help set the tone. I, I thought, you know, for one thing, I thought Udonis re-signed with the team a couple of years ago, kind of just to help the transition with Jimmy Butler. I thought he was going to retire last year. He did not. And maybe it's because he wanted to see whether or not Miami would be able to duplicate exactly what they were able to accomplish in the Orlando bubble, maybe go on another deep run that didn't pan out that way. Now it's another transition. It's now you got Kyle here. How does Udonis fit alongside there? I wonder how that's going to work out. I, I and, and look, You've got Spo. Obviously, he is a very level-headed leadership role in that Miami organization. I think that's pretty clear. I think you you've got guys like Bam who are up and coming, who have strong voices in that locker room. I think you've got Jimmy. You certainly have Kyle. You've got UD now. I mean, those are lots of great, valuable veteran voices in that locker room. So you have multiple leaders. But I think hands down, it's pretty clear this is Jimmy Butler's team. If if you're if you're looking for who the face of the organization is at that point, this point, as much as we would like to promote Bam or say that Bam is the future and everything else, that's probably pretty clear. It's still, it's still Jimmy. I think if you look to 2004, you know the acquisition of Shaquille O'Neal and whether or not you know you saw Dwayne rising up as a potential superstar and everything else, and it was still Shaq's team. Like it was just Shaq's team coming on here, and then Dwayne kind of 
helping support Shaq, even though they supported each other very well. And I think even with Kyle coming on this team now, even with Bam already having been here on this roster, it's still Jimmy's team. It's him to, to you know dictate the terms and what practices are like and things of that sort. And look, that's not to say that when you get when you bring in a guy like Kyle, it's specifically to challenge, to provide another dissenting voice uh, uh, in this in that locker room. Not dissenting in as far as like problematic or fighting with one another or anything, but you know. Sometimes guys get a little heated, and you want to be able to match that level of intensity. And I think a guy like Lowry certainly can do that with Jimmy, and especially because they're close friends off the court as well. So it's going to be fun to watch those guys interact with one another in the locker room. I know exactly where Kyle's locker room is going to be. It's going to be really fun. He's going to probably take over Goron's, and uh, it's going to be uh, it's going to be fun to see how those guys are going to play off of one another on the court and off the court. But later on this show, I'll talk a little bit about the myth of Pat Riley. And who fills out the end of the roster? And just a reminder that you're listening to Locked On Heat. Just another reminder about one of the great products that we're talking about here over at Locked On, and that's Sweat Block. Uh, if you recall, I mentioned recently about a friend of mine that sweats somewhat profusely. Uh, he, he's actually tried Sweat Block, absolutely loves it. Uh, sweat Block just basically controls the amount of sweat that you produce. If you produce too much sweat, it can be an embarrassing situation and something that happens naturally, and yet people don't like talking about it. They get put in an awkward position. Sometimes, if you have a very public job, like my friend does, you have to change shirts in the middle of the day. It can be a little embarrassing, and, and I understand that completely. And so that's why a great product like this that's been created by doctors, recommended by doctors, and, and has proven to be successful is such a great tool for you to overcome that embarrassing issue. Look, it's your secret. Nobody has to know about it. You get sweat block delivered directly and safely to your door. And next thing you know, you've got renewed confidence. You can go about your day. You never have to worry about whether or not you're sweating too much because the answer is you won't. That's how good sweat block is. We vouch for it completely. It's made in the USA. Uh, it's got everything that you're looking for. It's small enough to fit in your toiletry bag. It's just it's just a, a great thing, you know, and to be able to get that little boost of confidence. Sweat block is such a, a convenient thing for you. And right now, you can go to sweatblock.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you get 20% off only at sweatblock.com. You can also find Sweatblock at Amazon and at CVS. Look, I've been the hiring uh, representative at my company before, and uh, I have to say it's not always the best position to be in. You get overwhelmed. You're trying to carve out some time to find the best applicants, and you got to schedule time to interview and everything else like that. It can be a hassle. Not anymore. Not if you've got Indeed. Indeed does all the work for you. They find the right qualified applicants. You can test them using several assessment tests. They've got 135 skills tests. So you can evaluate exactly what kind of applicant you want and make sure that they pass the skills, that they have the skills that you're looking for to fill the needs for your company. It just makes things so much easier. You can find the perfect candidate and Indeed's hiring tools will cut through all the noise to hire faster and smarter. Their instant match provides a list of quality candidates whose resumes are Indeed the moment you post a sponsored job. Uh, again, according to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. How could you not trust it? More than 3 million businesses word worldwide, including mine, use Indeed to hire great ta talent fast. Get started right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. That's Indeed.com dot com slash locked offer valid through september 30th terms and conditions do apply so i'll admit this question is somewhat flimsy here because 
I don't know. I mean, I just to me, it feels like it's so completely unrealistic or untrue that I don't know where this myth took place or I don't know where it was born. I don't know where how it developed. But this idea that Pat Riley is somehow untouchable. I saw a lot of whiny Bucks fans complaining about Miami's alleged tampering and everything else. The fact that they were able to make deals for Kyle Lowry before the trade deadline. Of course, you know, oh, the NBA will never crack down on Riley. Riley being untouchable and all this stuff. And, of course, some uh, sour New York quote-unquote media members already taking pot shots at Riley for the culture and everything else. And, and, you know, looking at Riley as, I don't know, like some kind of mastermind douchebag. (laughs) That's just a weird weird mentality to have like first of all let's clarify the whole getting out of new york situation like it's been pretty clearly reported and talked about at length that pat riley did not want to be part of that new york knicks organization without more control for roster making decisions exactly the kind of power that he was able to get in miami and have bigger influence over because he was battling with dave checkets as part of the new york knicks front office Checkets had ultimate personnel control. Riley had some voice, some say in the matter, but he was basically relegated to just, quote-unquote, just the coaching role. It's not that he necessarily wanted the general manager position, but he just he wanted to be able to assess what players were best fits for this roster. And I think, it, look, it takes a very rare personality to be able to, to handle both those jobs. I, I think it's not just, you know, you, you have to have your Andy Ellisbergs uh, your Andy Simons and everybody else. You have to have your guys that control the numbers and understand how these things work. That's be, you know obvious. That's pretty obvious. But you also, I, I can understand why a guy like Riley in particular wants to be able to see a player perform on the practice court and say, okay, I want this guy on the team or conversely, get this guy the hell out of here. And uh, I think there was a story that came up recently on another podcast about a former NBA player. Oh, I think it was Jamal Mashburn, yeah talking on I want to say the knuckleheads podcast and he was mentioning a story about one Pat Riley's tenure here and a guy named uh, Todd Day maybe you don't remember him I think at a University of Alabama uh, he played in Miami for a bit and apparently he dogged it one practice and Pat Riley just said look get the hell out of here I'll cut your check get the hell out of here and uh, that's the kind of ultimate power that he wanted and, and with good reason I think and I, I think he wanted that in New York there was too much at stake there and it's kind of weird because you know you look at Riley's tenure in New York and he was supposed to you know be able to contend with Michael Jordan and take advantage of those two seasons when Jordan was semi-retired and everything else and yes they were able to go to the NBA finals and then eventually lost to a very good Houston Rockets team led by Hakeem Olajuwon but Riley wanted more control more power he wasn't going to get it in New York and so he looked elsewhere, as as any employee would. I mean, you know, I know that employees are supposed to value their contract, right? Well, for some reason, we always tend to gravitate towards uh, large multi-billion dollar corporations or billionaires individually and say, oh, no, no, we, we I agree with their practices, kind of overlooking the fact that they made billions off blood, sweat, and tears of minions like us all over the place. So I, I don't necessarily lean that way, and I hope you don't either, but I, I think it's it's very strange that we get pissed off at Pat Riley, Pat Riley for looking for a job elsewhere and not you know complain about, you know uh, what's his name, Dolan over in New York and, and the way they've run that organization badly for decades plus. In any case, Pat Riley chose to go elsewhere, and when he did cho- choose to go to Miami, of course, Miami was punished for their behavior, for their you know acquisition of Pat Riley. 
And again, at that point in time, Mickey Mickey Harrison did not care whatsoever. He would pay whatever fine was necessary. They gave up whatever picks were necessary. It wasn't that big a deal. And the punishment, you know, was fine. But this idea with the recent tampering charges and everything else that Miami and Pat Riley are untouchable and they're this big market team. When has Miami... It's so weird because you hear what Heat fans have to say about the, and almost any situation. It's like, oh, why does Miami get so much hate? Why are they so hated and things of that sort? I just, it's so strange how there's this incredible disparity between how other fan bases view Miami and this Heat organization and how Heat fans view it. Because I think if you follow this team long enough, you know all about the blue-collar roots of Pat Riley, how they pride themselves on defense and everything else. And yet somehow everything everything come, comes back to Pat Riley prowling the sidelines in Armani suits, the big party in 2010 after the signing of the big three and it's like this glitzy South Beach and everything else went. The reality is that Miami and Miami Heat culture is so far from that. It's so much more about just putting in the work in and being held accountable. It's so far from glitzy. And as a result, I think Miami has been you know, fairly treated by the NBA at large. I think also Miami has also been punished at, at, on occasion. I mean, you recall that they were uh, they were punished because of uh, some moves that they wanted to make during the late 90s, mid to late 90s, when Pat Riley had first taken over the team. They were going to come, you know, they were going to sign Juwan Howard, and then uh, David Stern was upset, uh, in theory, because Pat Riley had spurned his Knicks. Uh, Stern was also, he grew up a Knicks fan, and, of course, Pat Riley, uh, having left the Knicks, I think there was reported animosity between David and Pat Riley. I'm not sure how realistic that was. That's not the point. The point is that Pat Riley has been punished regularly throughout his Heat tenure, and he just doesn't care. I think he's just going to do whatever he has to do. The rules are stupid. As I mentioned, when Miami was first accused of tampering and when the investigation still took place. And look, there's no clarification yet. Uh, from what we understand, this process could last week. As uh, last weeks, excuse me, as they go through personal emails, personal messages, personal phone records, and things of that sort to see whether or not Kyle Lowry was contacted by Annie Ellisberg at. Uh, 5.59 before the 6 p.m. deadline took place or whatever. I, I Look, it's, it's ridiculous. It's ludicrous. I, I just don't see any reason why you have to punish teams for making these decisions, for players to want to have as much information available to them as possible before this ridiculous trade deadline, or I'm sorry, uh, free agency deadline begins. Like, how can you how can you decide your future, the future of your lives and family and everything else, immediately at 6 o'clock? And that's what it comes down to. We saw the flurry of moves happening at six. Uh, you know, not just not not just the 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 bald sign and trade to Chicago or even Kyle's deal to Miami, but just like there's so many players signing elsewhere, and all these moves get announced almost right away. There's this joy in in kind of reporting this, and as fans, everybody's just like watching the Woj bombs, the Shams bombs, and everybody wants to see what happens next. I think it's just the nature of what happens. About we've come to accept our reporting and things of this sort and and I think the NBA they should stop shooting themselves in the foot it's they, they they embrace it they create this idea that things have to get done right away it's it's much more exciting they just don't like being they just don't like being shown up that's my feet my theory is that the NBA just hates you know looking stupid like they know that's tampering just don't do it so badly and so egregiously that you get punished and, and this is the Milwaukee Bucks point is like oh why shouldn't Miami get you know punished because they weren't stupid about it, because they didn't leak information out to the media days before a son and Trey was able to take place 
with a player in Bogdan Bogdanovich who didn't even want to sign in Milwaukee. That's the big difference is that they were signing and trading a player from Sacramento that didn't want to go to Milwaukee. He didn't want to be there. And that fell apart. He's like, hey, hey, wait a minute. Why am I included in this report? I don't want to go to Milwaukee. And so that he backed out of it, and all of a sudden Milwaukee's left with egg on their face, and the NBA goes, guys, what, what, what the hell are you doing? You look stupid here. <laughs> now you're making us look stupid. We can't allow that. So, yeah, we'll take away a second-round pick, and we'll fine you X amount of thousands of dollars. The fine doesn't matter. Again, we're talking about billionaires here. It's like, oh, this, please don't take the 25 cents out of my pocket. You know, for the rest of us, that's basically the equivalent of, of having to cough up a, a fifteen or $25,000 fine. And, and as far as the, the picks are concerned, look, you, you hope that Miami doesn't get any picks taken away from them, considering they've thrown most of those away. But given what we've seen from the success in Summer League, maybe having a draft pick isn't that big a deal anyway, especially if you can scout players as effectively as Miami. Something I will talk about in the next segment when I answer the question about who fills out the rest of this roster. But first, a reminder that if you're looking for parts for your car or truck, then why don't you go to a trusted company that's been serving customers online for two decades. That's 20 years of service. That's rockauto.com. You can go to a you know chain store. They'll start looking up parts on their computer. Maybe they'll ask you some questions, put you on a spot. Maybe you don't know exactly what you're looking for. All of a sudden, you start to feel sheepish. What's the point? You can find what you're looking for on computers, the same computers that they have, which means you have access to rockauto.com. You use their easy-to-navigate website, a few easy clicks, next thing you know, you've got the parts delivered directly and safely to your door. No fuss, no muss, and you save money too, the best thing of all. And so you go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck, and then you write the phrase locked on in a section that says, how'd you hear about us? Just so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. That's rockauto.com. And when you're done getting those parts, indulge in a little treat. That's right. Grab yourself a Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. You don't even know you're eating a protein bar, but you're getting all the nutrients you need covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Great taste and so many different flavors to choose from, whether it's coconut, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, my personal favorite, cookies and cream. So many great ones to choose from. You can get a mixed box so you can mix and match them, give them away to friends, family, and coworkers, and get the protein and get the, the nutrients that you need from a nice indulgent treat. Uh, Built Bar, just a reminder, is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team too. So go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you get 15% off your order if you use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off, but only at Built.com. on the NBA doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get podcasts. Wrapping up today's episode, just one more question about who fills out the end of the roster because I think that's a question dividing a lot of Heat fandom right now between Udonis Haslam joining the team and the potential from all these G League and Summer League stars and all the other veteran names out there still floating around the ether. I think there's a lot of potential as to who Miami brings and what exactly this team needs. And I'm not I'm not sure that they're going to bring anybody in. 
I, I'll make a case for a couple of different options just because uh, I think it's fair to look into those. Right now, the roster stands at 14 guys under contract, although they did uh, announce a signing today on Tuesday afternoon of DJ Stewart Jr. being added to the roster, a guy that I think will be likely to spend you know some time in the G League with Sioux Falls. I don't think he'll be added to the roster. I know there's still potential to add a couple of guys on that summer league roster as two-way players. I, again, I think a couple, you know, options. Again, you'll probably sign a couple of these guys to two-way contracts. They won't count against the cap or whatever. And I think, you know, obviously you have your number of days for them to play out and things of that sort. I think you won't be able to avoid the luxury tax, um, which I think is a big concern for Mickey Harrison. But I think that they also want to consider the possibility of adding somebody else. But there's also some concerns about this roster whether or not they're deep enough or, you know, whether or not they're they're well-balanced. And, and I look at this team, and I think they're pretty well set. I think they have a lot of what you might be looking for in terms of a, a championship contending roster, at least a good playoff team being assembled. You've got depth. I think you've got shooting. I think you've got ball handling. You've got enough size with the re-signing of Dwayne Dedman and potential for Yomer, Omer Yurtseven to be able to be a, a factor I don't think you're going to. I don't think you're liable to add another big, just because I, I just think that the position overall is being somewhat phased out. Uh, you know, even a guy like Brooke Lopez, even an all-star like Rudy Gobert. I made his point on the Locked On NBA National Show yesterday whether or not you know the Utah Jazz are legitimate contenders. And most of my feeling is that if Eric Pascal, who they just acquired in a you know off-season trade, can play off-ball center the way he did for the Golden State Warriors, maybe you have a better chance of competing because we saw in the playoffs, as good as Utah was in the regular season, they just can't compete because Rudy Gobert gets played off the court because there's only so much you can do. Teams have to have versatility. They have to have options. So you've got a lot of guard play here. You've got Gabe Vincent, who can potentially take another step up. You've got Kyle Lowry. you got Tyler Hero. You know, that's that's a lot. You've got potential for Victor Oladipo to return, and hopefully he'll, he'll have an impact. You've also got Jimmy Butler. You've got, you know, Casey Opala and whatever he might wind up being. P.J. Tucker, Max Struess. I think there's a lot of faith being put on, on a guy like Struess to potentially, you know, improve and make another leap this season. I know that a lot of people were looking at the potential acquisition of Patrick Beverly and you know maybe even Rajon Rondo. I don't think those are likely candidates. I think Rondo is going to get bought out. I don't think Miami wants to bring him in there just because of the, the bad tension there. As far as Beverly is concerned, I don't think he's getting bought out by Minnesota either. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the next step is for Miami. I think they're just going to keep Pat here, to be honest with you. No pun intended. I just And I want to also say that the unfortunate – conversation of late as to whether or not Omer Yurtsevin is going to be a, a serviceable NBA player and, and, or more than a serviceable NBA player is really, really unfortunate. Like, there's no way that we should be pinning these kind of hopes on a guy like Yurtsevin to be a rotational player. If he can achieve that at some point in the season, it is undoubtedly a win for the organization and for Omer himself, you know, to be able to get that chance to shine and, and get any kind of playing time. I would imagine that he'd probably spent a lot of time in the bench at all. You know, I just don't see him being able to compete. And, and you know, I've seen some people compare him to Kelly Olynyk, and, and that is really unfortunate because Olynyk is by far a better player than Yurtsevin is, which isn't to say that Yurtsevin can't somehow turn into a really good player at some point in his career. Like, the potential's always there. 
But Olenek's a much better shooter. Like I, I've you know I've said this on this podcast before. If you've forgotten it, uh, I apologize if you remember it. You know I've seen Olenek going up against Duncan in shooting drills, like you know being worked together because they're the two best shooters on the roster. That was before the addition of, of Max Struess, and of course before the pandemic and everything else. But that, let me let me just rephrase that. Duncan Robinson, one of the elite shooters in the NBA. Sharing drills with Kelly Olynyk because he's that damn good a shooter. Okay? I mean, you, you traded away a seven-footer with ball-handling skills, passing skills as a former point guard that just had a growth spurt and who can stretch the floor at a 40, 40% clip. Kelly Olynyk's a fine basketball player. That You all want to look at him because he's got a, a you know a scuzzy goatee and longish hair uh, and, and looks like a, a, you know, a grunge retread. Doesn't necessarily mean he's a bad NBA player. He's actually a really good NBA player. That's a, a whole conversation that uh, hopefully we'll never have. I mean, it doesn't really matter because now he's Detroit's problem, right? He's he's Detroit Pistons superstar over there, whatever they get out of Cade Cunningham. As far as this rest of this roster is concerned, I think they're set. I, I would say if you're looking at another veteran name, I can't seem to separate myself from the idea that this Heat team will find a way to add J.J. Redick. I, I, it might not make sense. You're adding another older player to an older roster but I think you can – his connection to Duncan and Jimmy and Kyle, the fact that he's a proven veteran, that he's a guy who will probably play at the minimum at this point and just can – will always be able to shoot lights out and is such a consummate worker, obsessive about his work habits and things of that sort. I, I think he feels kind of like a natural fit there. That's not my choice. If it were up to me, I'd rather they sign a guy like Paul Millsap. I, I know that's a quote-unquote big name. And I know Millsap has diminishing skills, but I, I've always liked Paul's demeanor. I've always liked talking to him. I think he's a, it's a, you know, he's so committed to the work and to improving and everything else like that. I think having another big to kind of compete and have another opportunity to throw at multiple big bodies, you know, if, for nothing else, he's going to probably play over Udonis Haslam. And he's a guy who can throw elbows, who can toughen everybody out. He's going to challenge the guys in this roster. I, I'd love to see that fit. I guess it's not realistic. Again, you're going to potentially pay the the luxury tax if you add one of these older veterans, and I don't know that they're going to contribute enough that makes that investment worthwhile. I don't know. Again, Mickey Harrison has the money. He can afford to pay the luxury tax. If he doesn't want to, that's up to him, and, and we'll see how it plays out. Right now, this roster feels fine. I, I just look at this roster, and I don't know if everybody's going to be turning on these guys the way they did on, on Tyler here over the last year. I think it's – a good roster filled with a lot of talent. They've got depth. They've got personality. I could see a lot of this going well for this team. And right now everybody's kind of looking at the holes in the roster, whether or not they're able to tie it all together. I happen to think that it will. We'll happen to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to wait right now. Right now everybody's guessing. Look, there's a lot of – when it comes to the media coverage about the NBA in general, you're either hyping things up too much or talking badly about them to create the alternate the reality, the, the driving for clicks. You know, listen to me. Because I say bad things about your team. It works, right? If Skip Bayless has a job basically talking badly and talking nonsense. And he's had one for decades as a result. So I, I won't do it. I can't I can't be dragged down in the mud. I'd rather just say, you know what? I think this is a good team that will, could potentially tie it all together. That's just my reality. 
I hate to get on that soapbox and, and kind of bring everybody back down to earth, but it's my role. It's one I've embraced, and I'm going to do it for you. And I think everybody on this roster will embrace their role as well. But uh, just a reminder that you can always reach out to me via email at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com or via Twitter using the hashtag AskAllHeat. Be sure to please subscribe, uh, follow the show, and as always, leave a review. Those do matter. I love hearing those reviews and, and seeing them come in, so please do drop by, and, and, and if you want to go to iTunes and leave a five-star review, that would be great if you want to just send me an email with complaints or concerns or even questions because, believe me, it's going to be a lot harder to come up with off-season comment over the next few weeks. If you want to send those in, I always love getting those. Uh, thanks so much to everybody for tuning in. I always really appreciate everybody taking the time out of their day to listen to this show. Uh, thanks to all of our sponsors for supporting today's show. I'm David Ramil signing off for now.